message is going to be a little bit different this morning. We'll be reading in the book of Romans, Romans chapter 10. Be finding your way there. Um, I'm um, not going to have any points this morning. You note takers, uh, uh, hopefully you'll be able to still take notes, but we're not going to have uh, points like we normally do. Uh, my desire this morning is just to speak real clearly. Um, I... I'm very aware that often what I think is clear is not clear to you guys. And this morning, um, I'm just going to try to just make it, things just as clear as I possibly can. Kind of, a, a, I'm hoping to be a little more simplified message. Uh, but while you're turning your Bibles there, um, uh, how many of you enjoyed the services last weekend? Wasn't that great? Uh, boy, it was such a, such a blessing having Brother Mike with us. And, uh, I just, uh, maybe it was just where we're at in the church, but I, I just thought it was the best that, uh, I, I've ever had them here with the, the singing, the preaching and everything. But Brother Mike preached Sunday morning and, um, I really stirred my heart. I've thought about it all week long and gonna kind of, uh, um, go with his thought that Brother Mike had last Sunday morning. Um, but Brother Mike said something that just did not seem right. I just would love to know what was going through all of your minds when Brother Mike said it. And it's kind of what we want to preach about this morning. But, but Brother Mike said, um, when you go through problems, that does not make your faith stronger. That just doesn't seem right. That just doesn't seem right. And then he said, but hearing the Bible makes your faith stronger. That doesn't seem right. Don't we tell people all the time, well, if you're going through this hard thing, it'll make, it'll make, you, it'll make you stronger. It, it'll, you'll be better for it. Uh, but, you know, as we look at the Word of God, there's nothing in the Word of God that says when you have problems, it makes your faith stronger. And But it clearly says the Word of God is what makes your faith stronger. And so that is really a, uh, not that that was a new thought, that you know we've discussed it before, but when Brother Mike brought that out, uh, that kind of goes against what we think. But then as we look at uh, experience, because you know if the Bible is true, it's going to bear out in life. As we look at experience, do we see people when they're going through problems and when they go through problems that they all of a sudden they come out on the other side and they're all stronger in their faith? We don't see that. We don't see that. But we do see those that are rooted and grounded in the Word being able to go through anything that the world throws at them. So that, that's what our thought is going to be this morning. It's kind of just uh, uh, going on with what Brother Mike had to say last week. So if you found your place, I ask you to stand and honor God's Word. If you're able, hopefully those of you at home will follow along with us and as well. In the 10th chapter of the book of Romans, I'd like to pick up reading in verse number 14. Very familiar scriptures. And Paul here says, uh, verse 14, How then shall they call on him in whom they have not believed? And how shall they believe in him in whom they have not heard? And how shall they hear without a preacher? And how shall they preach except they be sent? As it is written, how beautiful are the feet of them that preach the gospel of peace and bring glad tidings and bring tidings of good things. But they have not all obeyed the gospel. For Isaiah saith, Lord, who hath believed our report? So then, faith cometh by hearing, and hearing by the word of God. Let us pray. Lord, how I thank you for this morning. Thank you for uh, all of that are here. I pray, Lord, you remove me out of the way. I pray your holy word would speak to each and everyone here. And Lord, may we be ready to move forward. We pray in Jesus' holy name and amen. You can be seated. <clears throat> so, 
I would like to start with an illustration. One problem I have with illustrations, I think illustrations are good to get you thinking. That's the purpose of an illustration is to kind of get you thinking. Oh, sometimes I have noticed a lot of you, and I don't want you to do this this morning, but a lot of you I have noticed when you give an illustration, you get hung up on the, on the illustration instead of following the point. So don't do that this morning. Uh, don't think about the illustration. Uh, let, let's move on with the point. But I want to talk about something real old-fashioned. Title of the message actually this morning, but I want to talk about something real old-fashioned. It has went out of date. It, it is very seldom used by most people today. But I would like to talk about something called a savings account. A savings account. Who does that anymore anyways, right? And the idea was that as I am working, you know, and a lot of people who were really big on savings account are very poor people. So they're barely making it. They barely have enough money to survive, but they put back a little bit every week. Do you know what happens when you put back a little bit every week? You have a lot. Right? I remember my dad telling me, I was a little boy, I remember my dad telling me, he said, some of you say $5 a week. You say, that ain't nothing. Yeah, it is when you do it for a long time. Right? And the idea was this. The idea was if I save a little bit every week, then when I have a problem, I'll have money to pay for it. Refrigerator goes out, hot water heater quits working, car breaks down, I get sick, I've got money we call it rainy day fund, right? And again, that's old-fashioned. Nobody wants to do that anymore. We just spend everything we've got and hope for the best whenever problems come, right? But, but that, that's, that used to be the way that it was. We would save and we would prepare for a rainy day. Now, I realize, I say that's an old-fashioned concept. I realize uh, that if we look back through history, those who lived, most are dead now, but most who lived uh, old enough to remember through the Great Depression back in the 30s, they had went through a time when they had absolutely nothing. And then when they started getting a little bit of something, they they were afraid that they might have to go back to that, so they wanted to save to make sure they wouldn't go back into that, right? Uh, And and many of those uh, who were raised hard and, and they were very poor... They want to save because they say, I don't, I don't want something to happen and I have to go back and live in poverty. So we save on that. So here's the thing. What happens if you don't have a savings account? What happens if you, so, so you don't save any money, you have, you have no savings whatsoever, and the furnace goes out. What do you do? Kind of late then to say, I'm going to start saving my money, right? I'm going to start saving, okay? How are you going to do that? And you know, car breaks down, you need a transmission. What are you going to do? You don't have no money. And at that point, do we understand it's too late to start saving? Right? I mean, you have nothing in the bank. You're barely making it paycheck to paycheck. And you need a new transmission. Where are you going to get the money from? Now, that, that, that's not what the message is about. I'm just trying to get you to think. And that's the illustration that I would like for us to, to comprehend. Uh, the idea of getting a little bit every week get you ready for the emergencies that will come. You guys with me? Okay. Now, uh, some of you think, oh man, I got to start saving my money. That's not what the message is about. That'd be a good idea if you start doing, by the way, but that's not what the message is about. I would like to think about faith saving. Faith saving. You ever thought about that? Faith saving. You know, if you would put a little bit back every week in your faith account, then your faith account could grow And then when you have problems, you'd say, I'm just going to dip into my faith account and get me through the problems. You know what a lot of people do? 
I'm not going to save anything in my faith account. My faith account, there is nothing in it. And when tragedies come, what am I going to do? <laughs> what am I going to do? I have no faith. I, I, I'm not prepared for this. And now I, now I have a death in the family. Now I have a bad diagnosis. Now I lose my job. Now something bad happens. What am I going to do? It's a little late then to start saving up faith. And now I want to ask this question. This is really important. I hope you're following the illustration. If you've been saving your money faithfully and you've got $25,000 in the bank and your hot water heater goes out and it's going to cost you $500, what are you going to do? Write a check and go on and have a good day. What I mean? I mean, you're not going to say, oh, what am I going to do? I, you got $25,000, make you write a check for $500, you get a new hot water heater and you have a good day. Is anybody with me? What are you going to do if you have nothing in the bank and the hot water heater goes out? What am I going to do? I don't have any money. How am I going to buy this hot water heater? <clears throat> now, that's not what we're preaching about. Follow the illustration. It's the exact same thing with faith. If you are building your faith account and it is growing every week, when life falls apart, you got something to write a check on. Because you're ready for it. When you have zero in your faith account and life falls apart, you fall apart. This message is really, really strong on my heart this morning. It's so very strong on my heart. And I really want to get this clear. And again, I'm going to try to make this just as simplistic as I possibly can. But here's what you guys got to know. Everybody ought to know this. Uh, but unless the rapture comes, and it could, it could come before I get through preaching. I Amen. Mean, we could go to heaven. But unless the rapture comes, can I tell you that everybody here is headed for some rough times? You're headed for some rough times. Listen, can I tell you that we ought to know by experience that everybody here is heading for some health problems. Everybody here is headed for some family problems, for some financial problems. We got bad days coming. You say, preacher, that's not encouraging. Well, why don't we start getting our faith account ready so we'll be ready when the problems come? I don't want to get all sidetracked on this, but can I just tell you uh, that, that our country, you know, when 2020 started out, we all had big ideas what this year was going to hold. It hasn't exactly went as planned. Amen. And I could have, Brother Charles, I couldn't have imagined in my, leaving Corona out of it, I could have not imagined in my wildest dreams that, on, that in December of 2020, our country would be in such a bad shape. Can I tell you, I think everybody knows this, if President Trump gets the presidency and, and continues to be our president, we got big problems. Because we are going to have civil war in our streets. Can I tell you that if, if Biden uh, gets the presidency and runs the country, can I tell you we got big problems? Can I tell you there's no scenario where we don't have big problems? We got So we need some faith because we got big problems coming. You say, Pastor, you're not encouraging me. Well, instead of finding out and saying, I don't know what to do now, the country just fell apart, why don't we get some faith where we can get through the problems when they come? And can I just tell you this? Christians should not be the ones falling apart when everything else does. When you have problems, you shouldn't be the one falling apart and saying, oh, I don't know what I'm going to do. If the United States of America goes under. We ought to be holding our head high. Because I don't belong here, Brother Spike. I got another home waiting on me. And they can take this thing down the, down the tubes. I got a home waiting on me. I got a mansion you guys won't believe. Yeah, I got a mansion you just won't believe. 
right? And that's the attitude we ought to have. But if we don't have enough faith, we're going to sink because we don't have anything to draw from. I hope that makes sense to you guys. So, Let's look at this scripture. It's so very clear. I've been talking about expository preaching, uh, just explaining the scripture, taking it in context. If, if we, without taking a lot of time, but if we just look at these verses and we just take very clearly what they say, it, 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 listen, this is no Gary's interpretation. This is nothing added, taken away. Just what the Bible says. If we look in verse 14, how shall they call on him in whom they have not believed? How shall they believe in him in whom they have not heard? And how shall they hear without a preacher? That verse is crystal clear. If you don't hear the truth and receive the truth, you cannot believe. Amen? Now that would be primarily, that verse would be primarily talking about salvation. And so how are you going to get saved if no one ever tells you there's a Savior? How are you going to get saved if no one ever tells you Jesus died for your sins? How are you going to get saved if no one ever tells you you are a sinner? How are you going to get saved if no one explains to you that Jesus wants to forgive you of all your sins? Someone has to tell you. And you say, everybody knows that. Oh, I beg the difference. There's a lot of people don't know that. And until you tell them, they cannot be saved. And so this verse clearly tells us you can't be saved. You can't believe until someone tells you and you believe it. Now, getting this a little bit out of order, but let's drop down to verse 16. But they have not all obeyed the gospel. He goes on to quote Isaiah there. That's actually Isaiah, uh, in case anybody's confused about that, that's actually Isaiah chapter 53. Uh, I believe verse 1 is what he's, he's actually quoting there or, or paraphrasing, uh, the Apostle Paul is. Uh, but he says, not all have obeyed. Now, do we understand what that means? That means some heard, someone told them Jesus died for them. Someone told them they were a sinner. Someone told them Jesus wants to forgive you of your sins. They heard the truth, but they did not receive the truth. Right? You can hear, and you cannot believe. And you can go to hell, not because you didn't hear, but because you didn't believe. Now, that's the same thing with us Christians. We can hear the preached word. If we don't receive the preached word, our faith will not increase. So then he says in verse 15, And how shall they preach except they be sent? As it is written, how beautiful are the feet of them that preach the gospel of peace and bring glad tidings of good things. Now that, that uh, um, word picture there of how beautiful are the feet, what that is a reference to is whoever's bringing, if you're on your way to hell and someone walks through the door and tells you how to go to heaven, you're going to say, that guy's got beautiful, what it is, he brought me good news. Amen. He brought me the truth. Now, I think everybody here understands the fact there are a whole lot of bad preachers out there. Amen? Truth be known, there's not a whole lot of good preachers out there, right? There's a lot of bad preachers out there. There's a lot of preachers done a lot of things wrong. And the truth be known, there is not a preacher that you can find, and starting with yours, and there's not a preacher anywhere that you can't find some pretty big faults with. Amen? That does not change what the Word of God says. God chose, you know the Bible says God chose the foolishness of preaching to save souls. God chose preachers to bring the truth. 
You say, well, I don't need a preacher. They're all messed up. Well, then you're just going against. Listen, you don't get to rewrite this book because you don't because you want to. The Bible says preachers are the ones who bring the truth. That's what the Bible says. It's as clear as can be. It, it, it says at the end of verse 14, how shall they hear without a preacher? So it is saying that the word that God set this thing up with all our faults and all our failures and all of our imperfections. God set this thing up for the preacher to come, take the word of God and give you the truth. Your job is to hear the truth and receive. And when you do, verse 17 says, And faith cometh by hearing, and hearing by the word of God. That's about as clear as you can make it. I mean, you can, you can say, reject it, you can believe whatever you want to, but, but uh, that, that is about as clear as it be. Me and my dad were talking um, Friday night. I have a cousin. I love him dearly. Um, I, I, have, I pray for him every day. I pray for him for years and years. He's one of the most dearest people to me that there is. I, I absolutely love him. He's about as good a man as you'll ever find. Can I just be real honest? He's a whole lot better than you guys sitting here. And he knows the Bible. He's raised around it. He, he, his mom is a Christian. He, he's, but this is what he said. And he'll talk to you about the Lord. He has respect for the Lord. He, he, all of those things. But here's what he says. I have my own way of believing. Now, if he's a really, really good man, and he has good intentions, and he has his own way of believing, isn't that good enough to get you to heaven? I mean, he'll go to heaven. He's got good intentions, and he's a good man. One problem is, doesn't line up with the Word of God. And he, as much as I love him and as good of a man as he is, he spent his whole life just being good to other people. Amen? He's a, he's a good man. But he will die and go to hell because he says, I hear what you're saying, preacher, but I have my own belief. I don't believe what you say. Now, we all, I think everybody here would agree with that. All of us agree you can't go to heaven on, you know, if you don't believe that. But is it any different for us sitting in the pew? Well, I know what the Bible says. I know what the preacher says, but I have my own way of believing. I'm going to reject what the preacher says because I have my own way of believing. Can I tell you, just like my cousin, I'm not saying you're going to go to hell. I'm saying you're you're not getting the truth because you won't let the truth come to you because you have your own way of believing. So this clearly tells us that faith comes by hearing. And so if we expand on that thought just a little bit back to our illustration, how do you grow your faith? How do we get our faith bigger and bigger and bigger and bigger? How many of you would like to have $100,000 in the bank and your hot water heater go out and you say, no problem, I'll write a check and I'm going to have a good day? Right? We all say that. How many of you like to have such big faith that the worst thing that possible could happen to you and you'd say, this is no problem. I got so much faith, I'll write a check and I'm going to have a good day. Does anybody understand that's how we're supposed to be living? That's how Christians are supposed to be living. We're supposed to be living with so much faith that whatever comes our way, we can just continue on steadfast for the Lord. Let me ask this question. Is that how you see most Christians living? I mean, problems come and they just, they just trust the Lord. No, they fall apart because they don't have enough faith in the bank to write a check. Does anybody follow me? And so we need to figure out how do we fill up our, our, um, our, our faith account, if you will. Now, verses 13, one, for, verse 1 through 13, we're not going to preach it. You can go back and read it some other time if you want to. But if you was to read verses 1 through 13, it is speaking about the Jewish people primarily, but it's actually talking about how you get saved. But here's what it says, kind of like my cousin. It is saying 1 through 13, it is saying that there, these people, Paul even said, he said, I know they have a zeal for God, 
but they're, they don't have knowledge. And they're going to die and go to hell because they're doing it the wrong way. It speaks, it speaks about trying to figure out how, how hard can I work to get saved. He said, no, no, no. The word's in your mouth. All you got to do is believe it and you can be saved. But, but there are a multitude. Will you guys agree with me this morning? There are a multitude today and there will be a multitude of unnumberable, uh, imaginable number of people in hell who just simply would not believe the gospel. And they'll die and go to hell and burn forever because they would not believe the message of the gospel. Amen? And really what I'm preaching about this morning, I won't ask how many of you believe it, but, but, but we, we know that it's true. How many Christians who are truly saved will spend their entire life believing falsely and never receiving the truth to believe truth? And I'm trying to argue with you this morning that in that case, you're not prepared for tragedy. You're not prepared for heartache. You're not prepared for the worst thing that could ever happen to you. <clears throat> in this church, uh, we have seen a lot of tragedy. We've seen people lose their spouses. We've seen people lose their kids. We've seen people lose siblings. We, we've seen uh, great health problems. We've seen people down near to death. We, we've, we've seen a lot of things happen. Can I tell you, it's going to happen. It's going to happen to all of us. Listen, you don't get through this life without having problems. But God said, I'll give you enough faith to get through it if you'll do it my way. And my way is not that the problems will make you stronger, but that the word of God will make you stronger. And that is how you will get through it. So I'd like to talk a little bit about, because I think it is confusing. I've been, I say a lot of things and, and, I, and people are just, I don't understand what you're saying. You're confusing me. And so I'm going to try and really clarify this one. I'm going to slow down just a little bit and really kind of clarify, and make things clear. Uh, but I would like to talk about Sand Hill Church. And then I'd like to talk about all churches uh, just, just for a minute. But I want to say that I, I am proud to be a member of the Sand Hill Church. I am proud to be a part of this church. I am proud to be the pastor of this church. I think this is a very good church. I think that, now this might surprise you because, I, because I've been misunderstood, but I want, you, I want everybody to get this. I think this has been a good church since it started. 1957. 1957 this church started. Okay? This church has always, from day one, from 1957 all the way through, this church has always believed the Bible. What do you think about that? It's always said, this is the word of God, this is the inerrant word of God, whatever this book says is what we ought to do. We believe the Bible. That has never been disputed, that has never been uh, questioned, that is what we believe, we believe the word of God. I say amen. Amen. This church has always been a conservative church. We're, we're leaning on the side of, of being conservative and, 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 and sticking with what the Bible says. We have always believed in this church in living right. We've always believed in li living right. It has always been that, that the things we believe are wrong, you, you must do those things. Even strictly so. If you don't do those things, we count you out. This church has always been, if you call yourself a Christian and are living sinful, we don't think you're saved. Church has always been that way from day one. I say hallelujah. Praise God. Our preachers, I suppose from the beginning, now some of this obviously is before my time, but for what I can remember, our preachers have always opened the Bible, read a text, and attempted to preach from that text. I say praise God. We've always said we believe in the preaching of the Word of God. I say praise God. We have always tried to follow the Spirit of God. Amen? 
Praise God. So all of that is exactly what it should be. Now, those of you that have been here a long time, we would hear a lot of messages on Jesus saves. Is that a good message? I mean, that's primarily what we did here was Jesus saves. And is there anybody here who can find fault with Jesus saves? Does anybody find fault with preaching the message that if you don't accept Jesus, you're going to go to hell? That was what was preached. There was a lot of messages preached on how good it's going to be when we get to heaven. Can anybody argue with that message? Can anyone find fault with that message? I mean, I remember when I was a kid, it seemed like that was what you heard. You heard Jesus saves, and you heard it's going to be great when we get to heaven, right? Can't wait till I get there. You got loved ones there. You know, all those things. And those, listen, you can't find fault with that. That, that, is, that is what the Bible says. We heard a lot of that. Every once in a while, we get one of them what we call good preachers, and boy, he just start drilling down on hair and dress and, uh, you know, the, the, the things we don't believe in, right? And he'd, boy, he'd nail it, and we said, man, that's good preaching, right? He just nailed down hard on those, on those specific things we believed in. And it was a consensus, and I've tried to say this, and I haven't been understood, and I'm trying to clarify this morning, trying to go slow. Across this entire church, there was not, now I'm going back to when I was a little kid, there was not one person in this church who believed in cussing. If you cussed, you weren't a Christian. That's just how it was. You tell lies, you ain't a Christian. You commit adultery, you ain't a Christian. That's just the way it was. I mean, that's just, in other words, there were established things. You do those, you're done. We're done with you. That's it. Can I tell you that's a good thing? I'm trying, I'm trying to paint you a picture of we have, we have a history of standing for the word of God and doing what is right and taking a stand against the things that are wrong. Now, all that being said, I am proud to be a part of the Sand Hill Church, and I am thankful for uh, the way the church started out, and we understand that, and God knows my heart, and you, you can take it up with God, but God knows my heart, I would never, ever, ever criticize those brothers that did not have education. I realized that a whole lot of our pastors couldn't even hardly read. A lot of them probably had never read the Bible through. Did not have the ability to read the Bible through. I, I understand. I, I would never, God help me, I would never stand here and criticize someone that did that. And a lot of them preachers, they were just, they, they took what they knew and they were telling it to everybody else. That's, that's what church was. But as good as all of that is, and really what I've just told you, it would be really hard to find any fault with, with this church and, and its past. Was there anything missing? There ain't missing. I mean, every Sunday we heard Jesus saved and it's good to go to heaven. <laughs> I mean, that's great. Was there anything missing? Now, I'm just going to point out a few things that I think everybody here will agree with me on. I think, I think those of you that have been here for a long time will agree with me on this, and, and those that uh, have come in maybe won't understand it as much. But just a few things, and, and we can make a long list of things that were kind of missed. We were preaching Jesus, preaching it was good to get to heaven. We were preaching on hair and dress and don't bring food in the sanctuary. You know, we were preaching on the things that we believed together, but some things were missed. But, do you know in this church, and I remember back when, you know, we had a big crowd. We used to have, we used to have big, big crowds at this church. We'd pass the offering plate. We'd take up $20. We'd take up $20. That's all we t- You know why? Because we believe in tithing. We don't believe in that stuff around here. I remember him being said, that's what them liberal churches believe. They believe in, t- they just talk about money all the time. We ain't like that here. We were proud of the fact we weren't doing what the Bible said. Now, I've been, I've been preaching here for, I've been pastor for almost 16 years, been preaching for 20 years. I have, anybody knows, you guys know, I have never been one to beat you guys up about money. I've never done that. I, I, I've just, 
I, I don't preach on money all the time. I don't preach on tithing all the time. But I started out a long time, and I just simply took the Word of God and said, this is what it says. The Bible says you are to tithe in the New Testament. It really says you're to tithe and then give a free will offering above that. Do what you want to with it. Guess what happened? Our offerings went through the roof. Now, was that because we were a bad church? Were those people back in 1970, were they bad, horrible people who didn't love Jesus? No one had ever told them you're supposed to tithe. Because I believe they would have tithed if someone would have told them. No one ever told them. They never did it. We, we, we never could have anything around here because we never had any money come in. And that's just what Now, you guys are crazy. I tell you, the, the, the amount of money that you guys give for tithes is really mind-boggling. But then, like last week, we take up a really, really good offering. And I don't, and only God in heaven knows, but I say, Brother Mike has not been getting any income this week. We need to help him out. And I would, I would dare to say that man took home a lot of money because all of you guys said, I've already tithed, but I want to give some more. Do you know what that is? That is the Word of God. That is the word of God changing us. Another illustration. Just trying to show you my point. Because I say a lot of times, you know, are we preaching the word of God? We've always preached the word of God here. We have always preached the word of God here since day one. Trying to show you we were missing a few things. Missionaries. How many of you can remember? I remember this so very well. We didn't believe in missionaries. We did not believe in missionaries. I've heard this said from good Christian people. Taking our money and sending it overseas to a foreign country? Are you crazy? I don't want to know that stuff, bringing in them foreigners into our church. What in the world? Well, we started preaching that that's what the Bible says. The Bible says we're supposed to have missionaries. We started bringing in missionaries here, and, and, and now at the Sand Hill Church, according to what I can tell, everybody here believes in missionaries. Everybody thinks missionaries are great. They love having missionaries in. They love giving money away to missionaries because we understand the Bible says we're to go into all the world and preach the gospel. That's what the Bible says. Now, those people back in 1970, were they bad Christians who did not love Jesus, who didn't care about what God said, and they just wanted to do what's wrong? No one had ever told them we're supposed to have missionaries. I can remember in our conference, I remember very, very clearly, they, they finally changed things around now and turned things around, but I can remember very clearly, we're not giving our money to them foreigners, them missionaries. We ain't doing that. We don't believe in that stuff. Now, they've kind of changed their tune now. They've, they've come to the Bible, but that was what we believed. I'm trying to paint a picture of... A lot of times people aren't what they're supposed to be simply because they haven't heard the Bible. Is that easy to understand? The Great Commission, go ye into all the world and preach the gospel. That doesn't just mean, you know, Jesus said to go into Jerusalem and Judea and all the, and all the uh, outermost part of the world. The outermost part of the world is the Philippines. But you know what Jerusalem is? That's Sandusky. We're supposed to be going into the world and telling them about Jesus. Used to be, we thought, we're going to sit here when they come through the door, uh, mostly family and friends, but when they come through the door and they're just like us, we're going to preach hellfire and damnation. They're going to come and get saved. And that's how we had church. But that's not what the Bible says. The Bible says, go out into the world and tell them about Jesus. But now we believe that, but before we did not. Was it because we were bad? No, it's because no one had ever told us that's how it's supposed to be done. Now, saying all that to say this, I started talking about, uh, about preaching on purpose, and everybody's kind of confused. What in the world is Gary talking about? And I said this when I was talking about preaching on purpose. We've always been taught that we're supposed to let the Lord lead us, and, and, and that is true. I'd be lying, and, and I, I dare that any preacher who ha- is honest would, would have to say that this, would have to agree with me on this. And I would say that you guys that have sat here and listened to me preach for all these years, 
How many of you think, don't raise your hand, please don't say amen, but how many of you think that Gary has once or twice or 15 or 1,000 times stood up here and preached something that was on his mind because he was thinking about it? Something had happened during the week, some problem had occurred, someone was doing something stupid in the church, someone done ticked me off or made me mad, and I got up and I preached a message and I said, this is what the Lord's laid on my heart. Right? We know it happens all the time. We know. And here's what you do. I know why he's preaching that, and I ain't listening to a thing he's saying. Right? Cause, and, and, that's, and that's the way it goes. How many of you know that since I've been preaching, and how many of you know the preachers do this, that there are certain things Gary likes to preach on? There are certain things. I mean, I hit it over and over and over and over and over because I like preaching on it, right? How many of you know some other things I hardly ever preach on? Now, I'm just trying to point out the fact that's how we get gaps in our faith. Right? And... So I have an illustration. I hope you guys are sticking with me. This is, I think this is an interesting uh, uh, illustration. Again, don't get hung up on the illustration. Think about that. So me and Brother Charles are going to build a house. Okay, we agree we're going to build a house. Okay, we buy a bare piece of ground. We've got a bare piece of ground out there. We're going to build a house on it. I show up for uh, work on Monday morning. Me and Charles are going to build a house, and I have a $10,000 window. I can't wait to put it in that house. The next day I come to work, Tuesday, I have got a great big roll of wire. It's good wire too, Brother Charles. It is really good wire. I come the next day, I got the best shingles money can buy. I got the best shingles you can get. And, and then I come in the next day and I've got a really nice sink. Now, is there anything wrong with a house with windows and shingles and a sink and some wiring? Is there anything missing in this picture, Brother Darren? Now, what if someone comes by later, what if Brother Allen comes by visiting me and Charles at our, at our new house, and he comes and he sees our new house, and he says, how's your house coming? And I say, Brother Allen, I decided to leave the foundation out, and I didn't want to put no walls in. I'm not interested in the roof, but we got really good windows, and we got a nice sink. <laughs> Amen. Come in and see it. It is great. We got a great sink, and we got a great windows. We ain't got no walls. We don't have a roof. It gets a little cold around here when it snows, but we got great sinks. Now, that's a little bit humorous, but do you guys see that's exactly how church is? There are the things we hit all the time, and we're really strong on them. Here at Sand Hill, since I've been preaching, there are things we're really, really strong on. Because I preach on it all the time. You know, I know you guys are sick and death tired hearing hear about it, but you guys are so, so, tick, so sick of me preaching about we shouldn't be mad at each other, and we shouldn't have bitterness, and we shouldn't hold hard feelings, and all those things. That, you know, we don't have a whole lot of problem around here anymore. There's a lot of other things I don't preach on we do have problems with. My point is... We miss things because we preach what's on our heart, what's on our mind. And, and we end up with a house that looks kind of silly. So what would preaching on purpose mean? <clears throat> I told you guys sometime back that the Lord had been laying this on my heart for a long time. I wouldn't do it. The reason I wouldn't do it is because I knew the church wouldn't accept it. That's the way I felt anyway. Wednesday night, if you would minus the comments, I've tried to allow comments because I think it, it, I thought it was good for you guys. That that's something that always can be removed is the comments. But we literally started taking the book of Colossians and just phrase by word, by one by one by one, and working our way through that. We're down now, I don't know, nine, ten verses. I tell you what, I think we have learned so much in ten verses more than we ever could have just things I could think up off the top of my head. Just taking. Now, if you've been watching that or listening to that, this is my opinion. You're in bad trouble if you disagree with anything we're saying on Wednesday night. Because this isn't Gary's idea. He, Gary's not mad at somebody. Gary's not trying to fix something wrong in the church. Gary's not trying to uh, drive his agenda down your throat. 
It's just, what does the Bible say? What does this verse mean? And let's apply it to our lives. That's all it is. Now, here's my point. I said this in preaching on purpose. You can't disagree with that. If you want to be hard-headed and stubborn and say, I don't agree with that, you are blatantly looking at God and saying, God, I do not want to do what your word says. I will not do it. You say, I'd never do that. That's exactly what you do. Because it does no longer is it Gary's opinion or Gary's. It's the Bible. When we do that all the time, you're going to be come down face to face with something. You're going to have to say, either I'm going to do what the Bible says, or I'm going to be rebellious because I, it's no longer I have my own belief like my cousin. It is what thus saith the word of God. This past Wednesday, and I appreciate all of you that came out. We had a really good time. I was greatly encouraged by this Wednesday night. But this past Wednesday, we came, and I had no, no, uh, no reason for it. It was just the next thing in the Bible. But we learned that as Christians, we are to have patience. We are to be long-suffering. And we are to have joy. How many times does that get missed? How many times do we not preach on that? How many times do we not talk about that? It's just the next thing in the Bible. We just preach what the Bible says. There's power in the Word of God. And I think often what we think is power in the Word of God is I, I read the text and then I got off on my own thought, my own belief, my own message, my own whatever, and there's not a whole lot of power in that. And I'm saying this, when we just preach what the Bible says, open up the Bible, preach what is next, preach the Scripture, when we do that, it can be exciting, it can be thrilling, it can be learned, you guys can be learning, and we're not going to miss anything because we're going to preach everything the Bible says. And you guys, if you guys will come with a heart to hear, will grow in your faith because now it's not what Gary says, it is what the Bible says. You know, my dad said something a long time ago, I think when I very first became pastor. And we, and we all know this is true about church. If I come in and I make a rule that every man in this church has to wear a tie every time he comes to church, every one of you starts wearing a tie every time you come to church. Some of you be tickled to death, some of you be madder than fire, right? Here's the thing. As soon as I leave and the next pastor comes in, what are you going to do? Rip off that tie and you're done with it. You know why? Because that didn't mean anything. That was what Gary said. See, that's wrong. That's wrong. But if I can, and I've been thinking about this a lot. I don't know if I'm going to die or if I'm going to be put in prison or what it is, but I've been thinking a whole lot about my replacement. I've been thinking a whole lot about me not being here. And here's what I've come to understand. I want whenever I leave... I want the next pastor to come in, whether he's a good man or whether he's not. I want you guys to say, not Brother Gary said we have to wear a tie. Brother Gary said we have to wear a dress. Brother Gary said we can't have long hair. I want you guys to say, thus saith the word of God. And pastor, we're not going to do that. See, I've had a lot of you rise up against me. I've never one time had someone rise up against me and say, thus saith the word of God. I've had a whole lot of people say, we're not going to do that because we've never done that before. I never had anybody say, thus saith the word of God. But if the next pastor comes in after me, I want you guys to be so equipped with the word of God. If he tries to take us in the wrong direction, you won't say, Brother Gary wouldn't allow that. You won't say, we don't do that around here. You will say, thus saith the word of God, pastor, we will not do that. I have said since I started, if you guys would come to me and tell me the Bible says that's wrong, I will not do it. If we've never done it before, that, that's a little different situation. So, we, we need to preach what the Bible says, and you are kind of then uh, um, stuck with either listening to it or becoming openly uh, rebellious. <clears throat> I have been, and most every preacher is everywhere, I have, I have, you know, I said back a few weeks ago when I was talking about preaching on purpose, I said I haven't been doing this right. I think that really confused a lot of you guys. I don't think most churches do things right. It's a bunch of random messages about a bunch of random things, and you guys are coming out here kind of getting uh, shingles and sinks and windows. 
That's what you guys are getting to build a house. I'm saying we have a plan. We have a a clear-cut plan where we preach and we cover what the Bible says. Not what someone made me mad about this week, but what thus saith the Word of God. How many of you want to see thus saith the Word of God rule this church? Amen? That's what we need in this church. And, and, and that, that will stand when the world's on fire. And I, I just say this. <clears throat> if you want your faith to grow, you need the Word of God. Some 90% of you, 85, 90% of you said that you come to church to learn the Bible. I say, praise God. I think we're doing great. And, I, and, I think, and we've done a lot of things trying to get you. And there's a lot of things I'd like to do in the coming year. There are still a few in the church who their mindset is, I come to church to worship. I am not interested if he's going to teach the Bible. Can I just say with all the love of my heart, you are wrong. You are wrong. It's not your opinion. It's not Gary's opinion. It's not how you see it. It's not how I see it. You are blatantly disagreeing with the Bible because we are to learn the Word of God. You say, that's not how I've always been taught. That's not how I believe. That's not what somebody else told me. I don't really care. Thus saith the Word of God, you are wrong. Now, Paul said, faith cometh by hearing. If you want more faith, you need to have more hearing of the Word of God. And whenever you have enough faith, no matter what comes your way, what are we going to do if if Biden becomes president? We're going to need some more faith. Amen? We're going to need some more faith. What are we going to do if he says it's illegal to go to church? We're going to need more faith. What if he locks us up and takes away our guns? What if the economy crashes and we're a third world country? We're going to need more faith. Now let me ask the Sandhill Church a question. I'm going to quit. Is there anything that can happen in this world that, that, that faith cannot get us through? See, there's nothing. Nothing can happen to our country. Nothing can happen to you personally. I've been by the bedside, as a pastor, I've had the experience, I've been by the bedside of, of people in this church who have passed, numerous people who have passed. There are some, when you go to their bedside, oh, I don't know if I'm going to go to heaven. I don't know if, I don't know if I'm going to make it. I don't think I've lived good enough. I wish I'd have done things differently. You know what my belief what all that is? That wasn't because that was a bad person, because a lot of times that was a really, really good Christian laying there. You know what that was? That person had been taught wrongly about where their faith should lie. You know when I lay on my deathbed? I'm not going to be thinking, did I do everything right? And was I good enough? And wonder if God's going to... You know what I'm going to be thinking? Boy, I'm glad Jesus is going to get me into heaven. I'm going to lay my head down. I'm going to, I'm going to, I know that Jesus is what I'm counting on. Because I've been taught right. But if you've been taught wrong... You're, but I've also been by the bedside of those in our church who have come to the end, and they were dying, and they look up at me just as confident as they could be, and they say, Pastor, I ain't got a thing in the world to worry about. I know where I'm going, and if you never see me again, I'll be on the other side waiting on you. Isn't that the way you'd like to leave? Amen. We pray that this message has stirred your soul as you continue on for Christ. If you've been blessed by this sermon, we encourage you to share this podcast with others that we may together embolden each other for the kingdom cause. To listen to Sandhill Sermons live, you can join us Sundays at 11 o'clock on Facebook and YouTube. You can also find additional content such as our Steadfast Studies podcast or the NOYC Godcast for Youth provided by Sandhill for spiritual growth of all ages. These can be found at sandhillfwb.com or on all major podcast platforms. May God continue to richly bless your journey every step of the way.